Well, it's a new week. Happy Monday, June 5th. Coming up to start the show, we're going to get into a few changes that Kyle Dubas made and why the outrage surrounding it is completely wrong. That's coming up right after this. You're locked on Penguins. Your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at Eleanor Penguins. And of course, thank you all so much for making this your first listen of the day. We are free and available on all platforms. So let's jump right into it. I'll say this. I was offline for a good chunk of this week and I went back home. Well, I shouldn't say went back home. Went back to Northern Virginia where my folks are celebrating my dad's 60th birthday. I also went to my best friend's wedding. I apologize about Friday. I had intended to release an episode on the afternoon, but we had to leave a little earlier than expected in terms of going back down to Nova. And then we just were slammed with so many things that that's my fault. And I'm not going to miss another episode um, for the remainder of this month. So just want to put that out there. But now, with that, I was offline for a good chunk of the weekend. I wasn't on social media too much. Just wanted to you know, go to the wedding and hang out with my family and just take a break from everything. But when I was online, I was seeing some very weird outrage when it comes to Kyle Dubas making some staff changes within the Penguins organization. If you missed it, this came out a few days ago. Kyle Dubas, it was first reported by Josh Yoey and Rob Rossi of The Athletic. It was uh, Yoey's article, but Rossi contributed to it. And basically on day one or day two of the job, where Dubas let go of three Hextall hires from the last regime. He let go of Alex Shaw, who is the director of hockey strategy. Also let go of Kerry Huffman, who's the director of pro scouting. And Tina Murray, who was the senior vice president of sword science, Sasha Homer. So there's one firing that... I guess kind of caught my eye a little more than I thought it would. It was Tina Murray because she was brought in like not even a year ago and, you know, to really advance the sports science division just because the Penguins have been almost cursed in terms of injuries. And this season was their first one, I feel like, in quite a long time where they weren't top five, the top 10 in man's games lost. And for God's sakes, Evgeny Malkin and Sidney Crosby both played a full 82-game season. But that one, I guess, caught my eye a little bit. But when you really think about it, Kyle did a really good job with the sports science division with the Maple Leafs. He will want to bring in his own people. So I'm not really too upset about that. Alex Shaw, that was a Ron Hextall hire. And then Kerry Huffman, director of post scouting, also a Ron Hextall hire. He goes back with Hextall to the 80s, back to Hextall's playing days when he was in Philadelphia. So, and, and then I saw all this outrage. Like, oh, why is he firing these people not even 48 hours into the job? And he got... Least fans saying like, oh, Brad Trey Living didn't do that on his first couple of days of the job. And it's like, I don't understand where these takes are coming from, but they've got to stop. And I mean, no disrespect to the three people here, Alex Shaw, Kerry Huffman, and Tina Murray. I'm sure they are fine individuals, great people. It obviously stings for them that they lost their jobs. But Kyle Dubas never hired them. So, of course, he's going to cut – it sounds harsh. Of course, he's going to cut bait with them at some point. Obviously, it happened a bit earlier than some expected it to, but he didn't hire these people. He has a good sports science division in Toronto. 
He will want to bring in his own people. Kerry Humphrey, he was the director of pro scouting, right? He was Ron Hextall's guy. Kyle wants his own director of pro scouting. Alex Shaw, again, that was a Ron Hextall hire. It, but maybe it stinks for him because he was part of the interim period where he was there for seven weeks. And then he they cut bay with him right after Dubas was hired. Maybe you can say, okay, that stinks. But still, it was bound to happen at some point. The same thing is going to happen with Nick Pryor. And for those who don't know who Nick Pryor is, he's the director of amateur scouting. The Penguins, Chris Pryor's son, who of course is not Chris Pryor's not here anymore because he was fired alongside Ron Hextall and Brian Burke about two months ago. But he's not going to turn in his resignation until after the draft or probably after free agency, or you know, unless Kyle parts ways with him because I'm sure Kyle's going to want his own director of amateur scouting. But the draft is coming up. Like, why would you let him go? So I just I don't understand where this outrage. It's coming from, and, and, and I know it's a lot of Leafs fans doing it because they're mad that Kyle took the job here. I don't think it takes a genius. Just go on social media, go on Reddit and all these things. It's it's ridiculous. These were changes that he felt like he needed to make. He wants to bring in his own people. <clears throat> There's nothing wrong with that. Brad Living, if, if there are any Leafs fans listening to this, Brad Living, your new general manager, he is going to gut out some of that front office too. Maybe it won't be Brandon Pridham. <clears throat> or Wes, or any anyone like that, but he is still going to cut bait with people who Kyle Dubas hired. That's, that is how this goes when you go from one front office to another. <clears throat> that's just, that is how this works. So I don't understand all of the outrage that's coming towards Kyle Dubas. There's going to be more changes again that are made. Elliot Freeman said on the 32 Thoughts podcast that people in the organization are honestly bracing for him to make more changes. And I'm all for it. Again, I'm not slighting any of these people individually. I am sure they are great human beings. But in terms of a Kyle Dubas front office, they don't fit. They, they, They do not. Especially Kerry Huffman, again, he went back to Ron Hextall's playing days. What are we doing here, people? <laughs> like, if, if people want to get mad over him firing people within 48 hours of taking the job, you know, people, they can go ahead and do that. But I'm sorry. <clears throat> this was going to happen sooner rather than later. Rather do it now so you can search for the replacements, whether it's in the house, which probably is on a, it's, that's probably not going to happen, or more likely outside the organization so you can bring people in. But want to discuss those. Again, I do think Nick Pryor is going to be gone after the draft. I do think Ron Hextall's son also works here. And he's probably going to be gone in short order if he hasn't resigned already. So those two definitely will be gone. I'm not really sure what that means for the other members of the front office. I do think Katarina Wu and you know some of the analytics team, they are going to stay on even though they were brought on during the Hextall tenure just because I think the Penguins want to build out their analytics department. But that's really what I want. What I wanted to say on that. Just to finish up the segment, I was listening to Elliot Freeman's 32 Thoughts, and it was interesting to hear him say that he thinks they are going to bring in a GM that is a bit new and a bit fresh. And, and when I heard that, I kind of thought back to how Colorado runs their team now, right? Joe Sackett was a, was a general manager. But during that time, he was kind of grooming Chris McFarlane for the role, right? 
McFarlane was a finalist for the Penguins GM job a couple of years ago. Didn't take it. They gave it to Hextall, obviously. But Jasakic was grooming him. And then once Sakic, I think, thought he was ready, he moved up to President of Hockey Ops. McFarlane moved into GM. And now it's McFarlane that makes the moves while Sakic is still there to support him. I think that style or that mold is what the Penguins are going to want in future years. Right now, it's going to be Kyle that makes the decisions, even after he hires a GM. But during this time, he's going to be grooming him, getting him ready for the role, whether it's like a cap guy, someone who can help negotiate contracts, whatever the role is. And then maybe once he and the organization feels like he's ready, they will give total power or at least some of the power to him to make roster moves while Kyle is still up there to support him. Because remember, Kyle's going to be here for the long haul. It was reported on Saturday night that he got a seven-year term. I heard today from a couple of people he's getting seven years, six million per year. That's what I heard from a couple of people close to the team. I mean, that's a great payday for him. I mean, that's an easy way to convince your wife and your family to move down, right? <laughs> but that was, I guess, the first original thought that came to my head when it comes to that was, you know, a style like Colorado where it's Sackick at the top, McFarlane. But <clears throat> McFarlane right now is obviously making decisions while Sackick is, is there supporting him. It won't be like that to start, but we'll be curious to see who Dubis goes after for the GM job, you know, whether it's Cam Lawrence, whether it's Alexandra Mandrake and Elliot Freeman actually wrote that in his 32 thoughts blog that he thinks that maybe they could hire a woman for the role. And I've said this on my show numerous times throughout that search. The time is coming when a woman is going to be a GM in this league. You know, people can either accept that or they can't, even though it's, it's, it's coming. I, I can tell you that right now. And, and I think there's, Plenty of qualified women out there who are ready to be GMs in this league. Mandrake is one of them. So that could be an option for the Penguins or, you know, again, maybe Cam Lawrence, Sam Ventura, a couple other young people that they interviewed during the process. We'll be curious to see when it comes to that. But Dubas in the process of making his own changes, bringing in his own people. I also expect Jason Spezza to come in some capacity. Let me know your thoughts on Dubas making those staff changes. Do you agree with the timing or do you think he should have waited a little bit in terms of that? Let me know down in the comments. You can also send me a DM and <clears throat> all that. But coming up in the second segment, we're going to get into why there is no rivalry with Toronto, even though the Toronto media and their fans sure like to think that there is. So that's coming up right after this commercial break. But before we get to that, for a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know the part will fit, or you will get your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring in home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. And that's right, eBay Guaranteed Fit, only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, we're back in this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter, at Hunter Hodes. Follow this show's Twitter, at Hunter Penguins. And of course, thank you all so much for making this your first listen slash watch of the day. We are free and available on all platforms. So, even though, again, I was not online for much of this weekend, I still keep seeing this weird stuff from the Toronto media. If any Leafs fans are listening to this podcast or watching it, one, hello, by the way, I'm Hunter. 
but okay, that was a little weird. Whatever. The, the biggest thing I can say though is this: there is no rivalry with the Toronto Maple Leafs. There just isn't. I'm sorry. You know, I'm sure Dubis maybe took this job to try to say, you know, it's it's an fu to Toronto. Say like, oh, you want to fire me? I'm going to prove you wrong. Okay, I mean that's just him being competitive. But in terms of play on the ice, nothing is going to change. I'm sorry. Like, you really think Sidney Crosby and Austin Matthews are about to line up across from each other and being like, oh, yeah, man, you stink, blah, 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 this, blah, 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 blah. No. No. Even if they play in a playoff series. I mean, I'm sure you're going to see the Toronto media go after Dubas and all this stuff, but there's no rivalry there. They play each other three times a season, if that. And if you're looking at for rivalries from the Atlantic Division, I would put Boston way ahead of them. I would put the Lightning way ahead of them. Like, what are we doing here? I would probably only see, say Buffalo's a bigger rival because Buffalo's closer to Pittsburgh. So there is no... Rivalry. I keep seeing this. You know, I saw James Merle wrote something in the Athletic this weekend. Actually, a lot of really interesting info in there about how Dubas could be making some, I guess, wild decisions for the Penguins this summer because he has total control. And we'll also get into those a little later on this week. I, I have a full episode dedicated to that coming up. I guess Tuesday or Wednesday, one, one of the two days. But still, there is no rivalry. Case closed. Again, Sidney Crosby and Allison Matthews are not going to line up across from each other being like, oh, yeah, man, you stink. I don't think Evgeny Malkin and Mitch Marner are going to do that either. I don't think Mike Sullivan and Sheldon Keefe are going to do that. Brendan Shanahan, Kyle Dubas, Brad Trey Living, anyone you want to put in there, they're not going to be just hating each other. That's that's not a thing. This is not a rivalry. And if, if people think it is, well, no one here does. Penguins... In terms of their rivals, they're focused on the Rangers, the Capitals, the Flyers, the Bruins, any any of those teams. The Islanders, I'll put in there, obviously, too. Any of those. Columbus, but that's also, honestly, a big brother, little brother thing. There is no rivalry with the Maple Leafs. I don't care that Kyle Dubas might talk some trash to Leafs fans from the press box when he makes his first visit to Toronto since he got fired next season. He's going to do it. Is that going to make a rivalry? No. Even if by some divine miracle that the two teams have a couple of fights during a couple of the games, is that going to make for a rivalry? No. I mean, we've seen Penguin players get into fights with players from West Coast teams. Does that make that a rivalry? No. So I'm sorry to the Toronto media and to the Toronto fans. There's no bad blood. In this city, everyone here is focused on the task at hand, which is Dubas getting this team back to the playoffs next season and getting this team back to being a Stanley Cup contender. That is what everyone here is focused on. No one is focused on him getting revenge on the Leafs, even though maybe that's on Dubas's mind. The fans here and the media here are not worried about that. They want to all make sure they want to all see if he can get this team back to the playoffs just because there's a lot of work to be done. Ron Hextall left a complete mess for him to clean up and be um, inevitable general manager that he hires. So I just I had to make that point clear 
for this segment. We can keep going down the list if you want. I mean, is it a decent drive from here? Sure. It's like, what, five hours, whatever. But again, these two teams have never had animosity towards each other. So there's there's a rivalry. It's, it's coming from up there. It's not coming from down here. I thought I would make that point very clear for this second segment. So that wraps up this second one. A little bit of a shorter one, but I just had to speak my mind on it because I had just been seeing it way too much as of late. Coming up to end the show, we're going to get into some Alex DeBrincat trade talk, whether or not he will be a good fit with the Penguins, all of that coming up right after this commercial. We're back here in this episode of the Octon Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. You want to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter, Ellen Marshall Penguins. And of course, thank you all so much for making this your first listen of the day. We are free and available on all platforms. So, Jabrin Kit this season, well, I shouldn't actually start with that. I should start with the report that we saw today from Elliot Friedman, which is that the Senators are starting to do some due diligence in regards to trade talks because they're not close on a contract extension with DeBrincat. Remember, he is an RFA, one year away from unrestricted free agency, has a qualifying offer of $9 million, so you can kind of understand why Ottawa is a bit hesitant right now because they do not want to give him that qualifying offer. Especially because if he takes it, which, I mean, a lot of players don't take qualifying offers, I think DeBrincat could be wise to do this one because it's a, just a one-year deal. He'd be getting $9 million. There are, you know, worse things to do. Than that. But they're still not close on a long-term extension. And Elliot Freeman today said that they have begun to do some due diligence in regards to potentially trading him. Um, DeBrincat spent this past season with the Senators. It was his first season with them. 27 goals, 66 points in 82 games. That was a little bit of a down year for him. The, the previous year had 41 goals, 78 points in 82 games. That's the second time he scored 40 plus goals in his career. First time since 2018 and 2019. If you look at his player cars, projected wins, rebel placement right now in the 92nd percentile, even strength offense, 74th percentile, power play, 91st percentile, very good at finishing. Only 7% of his peers are better than him in that. Penalties, only 3% of his peers draw penalties at a higher rate than him. Goals per 60, 70%, primary assist per 60, 61%. But I will say, while I would be in favor of trading for Debrinkit, some of his numbers have gone down in recent years. What I mean by that is if you look at his wins above replacement percentile rank in 2021, 2022, it was at almost hundred percent right now. It's projected to be 92% for next season, but this past season, it dipped well below 75%. It dipped to about 60%, 60, 65% for this season. If you look at his offense, of capability. It was about 75%, a little over 75% for 2020, 2021. 20, 20, last season, it was about 80%. This past season, his offense went down to 50%. Half of his peers were better at driving offense than he was. Defensively, if you look at that, really good in last season, about 70 percentile. This past season, it's at about well below 25 percentile. Right now, it's projected to be in the 18th percentile for next season. He is not a good defensive player. His finishing also went down to only 
50%. It was at once 100% in terms of his peers just two seasons ago. Now it's gone. It's been cut in half. That's kind of a bad trend. And he's he's 25. So obviously that can go up. But still, that that's not a trend that I'm looking for. I think with that, the price would have to be right for Kyle Dubas to go after the Brinkett. Again, I would be in favor of it, but I'm also just giving you all the stats to say that, hey, he's not the same player right now as he was a season or two ago where he was really driving offense at elite level. He didn't drive offense as much as he did last season than he did here. So again, that's a little bit concerning. His defensive play also went down a cliff a little bit. In terms of what I would give up to get him, I I think Brian Russ would have to go back. But the the tricky part with that is you have to get him to waive his new move clause. And is he going to really waive to go to the Ottawa Senators? Probably not, right? (laughs) I, I, I do not think he would go to Ottawa. Even though Ottawa is set up to be a bit of a better team next season, I don't think he would waive to go there after spending all the seasons here. You know, maybe I'm wrong, but I, I just don't see it right now. I think you would have to give up the first round pick considering that Ottawa did give up one of their first last season to get to Brinkett. I think that was honestly it. They gave up just a first to get him. There wasn't really a roster player going back to Chicago in that trade. And, you know, his value, I think, right now is lower than it was last year when, when Chicago traded him when they went into the full tank. But would he be a massive upgrade over Brian Rust? Absolutely. I mean, you can put him on either of the top two lines. And this would certainly qualify as making a splash that Kyle Dubas talked about during his opening press conference where he definitely hinted that he wants to do something with that top six. Obviously, Jason Zucker is a free agent. We'll have to see how he attacks the negotiation. And I think as the days go by, I'm kind of getting less and less confident that he's going to bring him back. It's just a feeling I have about it, to be honest. But I do think one way or another he is going to make a splash for these top two lines to try to bring in a true playmaker. DeBrincat would fit that bill, but I would also be afraid of, of some of the numbers that have gone down in recent years and just hope that they don't go down even more for this upcoming season. Obviously, it would make them a lot younger, a lot faster. He's great on the power play. He can score goals very easily. Good playmaker as well. I'm just afraid that his numbers could go down even more Next season, because again, you know, he had 12 less points than he did this past season and played a full and played a full A2 game season. And honestly, that Chicago team was not good in 2022. They were the one of the worst teams in the league. The Ottawa team this year was better. Still, his numbers were not as good. Again, what I what I like the move, yes, but there's still some oh, a few hesitations that I would have when it comes to it. But I do think one way or another, my friends, Dubis is going to make a splash. And if I were him, I would still call Pierre Dorian about this. Of course, Ottawa being Kyle's hometown team. See what the price is. See what it would take to get him. And then if it's one you like, you can keep negotiating. And if it's not, you can try to go focus on another top six winger, whether it's in free agency with uh, Tyler Bertuzzi or whether it's someone else on the trade market, whatever that is. But let me know your thoughts about Alex DeBrincat down in the comments section for YouTube, or you can just send me a DM as well. Would you like that move? Would you give up the pieces necessary to get him? Let me know down in the comments, or you can send me a DM. And also, do you think the Penguins will go after a true bona fide top six winger 
especially with Jason Zucker potentially leaving? Or even if he comes back, do you think they will still go after another top six winger because Brian Rush could get traded? Let me know your thoughts on that as well. But that'll do it for this full episode of the Locked on Penguins podcast. Really appreciate all of you listening slash watching this one. I'll be back with another episode for you all on Tuesday where we continue our off-season discussions, especially silly season. This is my favorite time going into the draft and free agency. We're going to start to do some draft talk in the next couple of weeks when the draft gets a bit closer. I'm going to have my big board coming out for you all, who I'll be watching at number 14, who will be my pick, all of that good stuff. A lot of fun content coming for the show. Keep it right here on Locked on Penguins for all that. So again, thank you all so much for tuning in. Very much appreciate it. I'll be back with another episode on Tuesday.